0: Welcome to the Psychology of Success. I'm Caden Terry, and each week I help young hustlers actualize their infinite potential by featuring interviews with world-class leaders in business, sports, and health. Now let's get into the Psychology of Success. Welcome back to the Psychology of Success podcast. I'm super stoked for today. We got Kel Goodman on the podcast. So a little bit of the background on him, we met, I think, just playing baseball when we were younger. I played with his son, Caden Goodman, uh, Desert Hills. And then I reached out to him to be a guest on my podcast. He was like, yo, why don't you just come on our podcast as well? Because he's the host of the Real Business Owners podcast. Many of you guys are huge, huge avid listeners of that podcast. And even those who are members of the Winner's Circle Mastermind, we had his business partner, Trevor, come speak to us. So they're what, like the top, one of the top business podcasts in the nation. Well, they say we're
1: one top 1%, you know, but you know. We want to be top 1% of 1%, you know, yes, so, right, you know, we're true. working, we're still working, we're trying to grow, and, and, uh but yeah, man, we're, we're super blessed to, you know, be high up there, and, you know, I don't know, man, some, some, some podcasts, they take years and years and years of a little traction, we were lucky to get a little traction out of the gate, and then we doubled down, we stayed consistent, and, you know, we keep just growing the community.
0: How many episodes now? Like, over
1: 200, right? Just yeah, like that's around 250 or 250. so, we just do one a week. Yeah. You know, I know if you mess with the algorithm and you put more out, and some guys say do two, three week, whatever. But uh, hey, we're running businesses. You know, it's called real yeah, business really, owners because we really it. have businesses. So, you know, we like we like talking to business owners at all different levels. There's lessons to learn from everybody, and um, you know, sometimes life gets busy, so we put a bunch in the pipe and we just make sure that that episode comes out every week. It's perfect.
0: We do the same thing. So I was on their podcast about three years ago. So it was like a dual podcast. They posted it, and I posted it as well. Um, but now I'm excited to interview just Kale and go specifically into his story. So he's uh, got the Real Business Owners podcast. Uh, he owns Easier Accounting and 60-Day Credit Repair, and he's an Everbull franchisee mm-hmm. right here in St. Yeah. George. So I'm so pumped to get into this. You've been someone that I've looked up to for a long time. I've just completely dived into your content and learned a ton. Like I consider you a mentor nice. just from watching your stuff. Your stuff virtually, so that's great. Super stoked to dive into it, bro. Yeah, you I'm excited it. too. Yeah, so so tell us your story and how you even got into business in the Sysplay. How I got into business. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh,
1: you know, that's a uh, that's a cool story. I was a teen dad, you know, and so um, I didn't know how to take care of this kid, I was still a senior in high school, um, you know, and it. Had a lot of options as far as what we we're gonna do. You know, we had pressure of like, hey, give him up for adoption. We even had people tell us to have an abortion. You know, and and that would have been a shame. I mean, you know, my son from playing baseball, him, he's such a joy. He's a, just such a great human, and he changed my life. And uh, I would have done anything to take care of him, step up, be a man, and uh, and and you know, take on that responsibility. You know, I to be accountable for my for my decisions, right? And so, um, you know, me and his mom stayed together for several years. And, uh, and, and it didn't work out. But, uh, in that I spent a lot of hours working and, uh, first I decided to join the military and that didn't work out. They didn't even accept me. And then I went through all this work to get them to accept me. And I finally got enlisted and I wanted them to pay for my college and my schooling and all these things. And, uh, and then I was like, okay, I got boot camp scheduled. And I'm going to start in three months. I'm going to go jump on the plane, do that whole thing. And I I was like, well, I'm going to stash up some money before I, before I go. And I decided to take on this sales job. It was a phone sales job because it was commission. And, and I didn't know if I'd be good at it, but I was like seeing that people were making good money doing it. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to try and and just go all in on this for a few months and stash up as much money as I can. I did that. And I was like, holy cow, making pretty good money. So I called the recruiter. I'm like, I need a few more months. They accepted that. I went a few more months stashing up money. And then I started doing the math. I'm like, okay, I can go in the military and make $18,000 a year and work in there for 10 years and hopefully get up to $70,000 a year. And then I started doing the math. I'm like, man, I'm already on pace to make $75,000 a year. So I ended up, uh, I ended up telling them I was out and they were pissed, you know, because they went through all this work to help me get, get, get accepted. And so Uh, But that turned out to be a blessing. I got really good at sales and I got really good at, um, you know, uh, connecting with business owners specifically. And I got recruited by an accounting company and I got really good at talking to business owners because I have a background of IRS problems. My dad was a contractor and he made a great living, but he never could get ahead. He never managed his money well. Um, And for a long time, I thought, why would anybody want to be a business owner? Right? Like, if the IRS can just come take everything from you because they garnished his my mom's paychecks at her job. You know, they levied his bank accounts. Uh, they put tax liens on all of his assets. They forced him into bankruptcy, you know, and, and it was a brutal thing, man. And, and I watched him go through that. And for our entire upbringing, I watched our family go through that. So I know what type of, uh, you know, sword. I, you know, I know what kind of, I know how that can impact a family, right? And so I got fired from that tax and accounting job. And because I started a side hustle, I just, I'm entrepreneurial, man. I, you know, and I learned about taxes. I learned about money. And I thought, okay, well, I could do this. I started a side hustle with my partner who's still there today, Jeremy. And uh, and we started selling this uh, foreign exchange currency trading program that he had written. And it was working. And my boss fired me. He's like, dude, if you're not focused, you're not 100% here. You can't be here. And I was and number one for years.
0: About the side
1: well, I told him about it. Yeah, yeah, I told him about it. I was excited. He, he was excited about it. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. I, I make you him it, yeah, I thought making proud. I thought i would make him proud because um, I looked up to him. He was like my first mentor, right? I watched him build this cool company. And uh, and so, dude, I cried. I hadn't cried in years, and I cried. and He fired me. I loved the other guys I worked with. Um, but it forced me to go all in on that side hustle. And we got that thing to a couple million bucks a year. And then I was like, man, I'm going to start an accounting company. I was good at that. Uh, I was good at talking to business owners. I was good at solving problems on the money side. And so found some accountants to come work for us, partner with some guys and, uh, and dude, we, then we started building that. Right. And so, and then that rapidly scaled over like five years to, uh, over a $10 million a year company. We were making great money and it imploded, you know, partners are, you know, tough. If you're not all on the same page, uh, one of them was embezzling. The other one wanted to do different things. He didn't like, you know, he didn't like how things were arranged. And so we just shut it down and. All the sales guys wanted to still work for me because I treated them, I treated them well. you know I showed whenever I went to that office, I treated them really well. I was there for them. Um, and then even the accountants wanted to come work for me. So at that point in time, I mean Trev, Trev was my sales manager and I, and we had a, we had a partner over there that wasn't working out. so I'm like, dude, let's just rebuild everything together. I'll bring you in on the accounting company and uh, and then I'll have you help me fix the credit repair company as well. Cause it had some issues from that old partner and so so did yeah i mean we made those our two main babies and and i trusted him to manage that and i managed the other one and and uh you know we have a other partner as well that that you know trusted us
0: and and we just kept building it from there man so yeah. and it's so cool seeing the the working relationship you and trevor have with each other yeah how have you been able to build that all the time well you got to be, you got to be
1: really honest about your strengths, right? Like I am a great deal maker. I am great at bringing things to life, but you need that integrator. You need that person that can be home base and managing people. Well, that's not my strength, man. You know, if you were uh, a drug addict employee that came to me lo- looking for an advance on your paycheck, I'm going to give into you and not hold you accountable. And Trevor's really good at holding those guys accountable. And, And uh, getting them out if they did have drug problems. And I was kind of naive to it, too, because I didn't didn't have a drug problem ever. Like, I had a kid so young, I didn't do the party thing. I didn't turn 18 or 17 and and go to wild parties, you know. I did a little bit in high school. but um, So, like, these guys would come in and be telling me shit like, well, my doctor changed my bipolar meds, and so that's why I seem off. And then Trey would be like, dude, you didn't see the track marks on his arm? I'm like, oh, dude, I didn't even look, you (laughs) know. And so... You know? Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he has a history of that. Right. So, yeah. um, and so that was great. And we had the same beliefs for a long time and, and we still do. Right. But, you know, people grow in different directions. And so like he, he has, you know, things that he's very passionate about that are different now. And I have things that I'm very passionate about that are different now. And, and, uh, and did, it's kind of crazy. Just recently we, we had a discussion. Cause I'm like, look, man, we've both become like these visionary leaders and, You know, like I was a big push, big pusher of bringing the real business owners thing to life. He came up with the name, but I was pushing him to start the podcast and I was pushing him to, you know, uh, you know, do some different internal marketing instead of just relying on our referral partners and, and, uh, and then dude, it kind of took off, but he, he kind of had a different vision for it. And I've always had a little bit different vision for easier counting. And so even just recently, man, like like we fully trust each other to run things uh a little bit differently so i'm like dude run rbo run your plays however you want to run them i'll support show up you know support the events bring speakers like because i'm great at networking and um and and like i still need your support on easier accounting but like i just need you to run this thing all in and i'll run this thing all in and that's kind of how partnerships need to work you know like if you're two visionary leaders and you're not 100% aligned, it, there's going to be there's going to be issues, right? Cuz totally. cuz you get in these things like, well, I think it should be this way, and people no matter how great you are and how much humility you've got, like when you think you're are passionately right about a direction you need to take a company and this person's passionately wants to be right about a different way they want to take the company, like dude, it's going to end up creating a standstill, you know? And that happened a couple times and so Um, it it was natural for us to be like, Hey, let's like, you go all in on that. I'll go on on that. Let's have it serve the the whole thing. Right. So, and and that takes humility, right? Like, because there's, there's a love and a passion for both things. Right. And so, um, so that's, that's where we're at now as of like the last six months, like he's been kind of restructuring things with real business owners and that whole community. And I've been restructuring things with, you know, some team members that I brought in over there and, and dude, we're both going to make each other a
0: crap load of money, you know? So that's kind of works. So it sounds like you guys just at this point trust each other to go do your own thing and you just dominate
1: whatever yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we both have ownership in, in both those things, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you you, you got to have good operators, good CEOs, good pe- you know, you got to have you got to have people to show up that can be consistent, can be disciplined when times are tough and and uh, you know, we both we both have those attributes, right? So even if we don't have the same vision, like we can be- don't, both
0: definitely benefit each other uh-huh. that way so it sounds like in the past you've had issues with partners mm-hmm. so like what are some of the common pitfalls and how can we avoid them with partners so obviously you're gonna
1: hear things like get things in writing first and you know make sure you do those things and that's true like you do need to sit down with attorneys okay you can't just be ignorant right people get excited about businesses and so if you're like hey I'm a personal trainer and I'm like, hey, I'm a gym equipment owner, right? And you'd be like, oh, cool, let's partner. We'll build a franchise of gyms and hey, we can even bring in meal prep. You know, you start bringing all these things in and uh, and then because of that excitement and insecurities, you don't think everything through in those moments, right? And so what happens four, five, six, eight, ten 10 years later is like, you're like, oh my gosh, maybe this guy is passionate about something totally different. He's not pulling his weight. And so- you know, restructuring is something that most partnerships will do. The most the more you can do up front, the better, right? Go sit down with an attorney and say, Hey, like what are all the things we're not thinking of right now? And we did that later, right? It's like, well, you're not thinking about this. What about clawbacks? What about, you know, uh, if you ever do need to exit and what's voting shares and how are you going to protect yourself from being voted out if you have multiple partners? And, you know, you start thinking about all these things and you're like, holy crap, man, like if things did get bad, I don't want to get screwed, but I also don't want to be in a position where I could screw somebody because of like some thoughts or some things that they were doing differently or not pulling their weight. And so how do you make it uh, set in stone? Well, you have ownership. And then you have operations, right? And so uh, what we do is we created roles, right? So if I'm the CEO of Easier Accounting, which I was, but I'm not anymore. I brought one in, but I'm still business development. And so I get paid based off what I produce. Same with Trev. If he's building real business owners and he's out there selling people to join the mastermind and to join our community, he gets paid a commission off what he produces. And then there's ownership, right? And so you, you
0: create those metrics up front. Like let's walk through that more. So it's not just a salary. It's actual commission based off of what you bring in. Right. So what what does that look like? So it's not salary at all.
1: Yeah, so like if I go out and find a new referral partner and let's say we're paying that referral partner 25% of a referral commission every time they send us a client, I'm going to make 5% off that referral partner as well. Now I have referral partners that we do $6 million a year off of, right? So if I'm making 5% on that plus my other referral partners, that's a great living, right? Yeah. Um, Same with Trev. He's making a commission of every, you know, person that he enrolls and then got marketing campaigns, things like that. If it's like, Hey, you know, I'm spending a lot of time and I need money to create these ads to work. And then they start working and then you're bringing in all these things from these, these things you created, you create a pay based on what it's producing within the company. Then you have your ownership, you know, and your ownership is obviously where you do, do distributions and draws. And so, you know, if our company's doing $15 million a year and you know 3 million dollars of that is profit after all these commissions are distributed like you're going to have your percentage of that 3 million dollars so if you own 20% of a company $600,000 that you get in owners distributions and so me I'm 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 a producer so like I'm like hey I want to freaking get 15 20 50 million dollars coming in all off of my relationships and my marketing campaigns that I'm making that 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 percentage on, but I want everybody to win too. That's been a part of building that company that has ownership. And so I want those distributions to be there. I want to be profitable, but you have to put in your agreements, salary caps or commission caps, right? So I can't just go, Hey, I'm going to do 20% override to me on this referral partner. I brought in at 25% because then I'd be eating up like majority of the profits in, in my pay. That's just greedy. Right. And so We have those agreements in place. What is fair? 5% override? Okay, great. Let's roll with that. And if we need to adjust that as we go, whether down or up, we can obviously do a board meeting. We can all get agrees. We can vote on it. And we can change those things based on salary caps or commission caps.
0: Huh. Dude, that's a great way to structure it. So Because that then it incentivizes you to actually pull your weight in what you're operating, right? Because you have ownership in all these different businesses, but you operate... Easier to count in like.
1: Yeah, it needs to be that way, right? And, you know, you might have a partner that's really good at programming and maybe you partner with him because he's got this skill set that you don't have, right? And that's what I mean by the insecurities, right? Like, sometimes you partner with people because you're like, well, I don't know how to do that, but I need that. And so then you give things up too much in the beginning. Like, if you're a programmer and you're great at it, but I'm a biz dev guy, I'm great at relationships and operations or whatever, And then all of a sudden that programmer's working on all these other projects. He's not focused on your company anymore. He owns 50% of your company. So you have to get those things in writing up front and you have to be forward thinking like, man, like this is my baby. I'm the visionary leader of it. Where do I want to take this? Do a little math in your head. If my goal is like, man, I want to turn this into a $20 million a year company in the next five years. Like, do I really want a 50% partner that's not as committed as me? So maybe you you go back and forth about what is it worth for them to build this project with you? Maybe it's 10%, maybe it's 5%. Equity is always the most expensive thing you're going to give away in building a company, you know? So you have to be forward thinking. Otherwise you're going to be looking back, which I've done with partners and be like, man, like, I should have only been given that guy five percent. Look at look at what it turned into him, and then he screwed me, and then he bailed, and now I don't even have that company anymore, right? and So you just have to be very forward thinking, based on like your skill sets and their skill sets, and what they're going to bring to the table, and how committed they are, and all of those things. It has to be put in put in place, right? Because really, what would be fair if you went and brought a partner on uh, that's a programmer? Let's say going rates three hundred dollars an hour for really good programming, and he's a really good programmer. Well, maybe it's like, hey, did you know the company's gonna pay you three hundred bucks an hour and if you're all in on this and you wanna vest, then maybe I'm gonna give you hundred and fifty dollars an hour, but I'm gonna give you equity so that this is something that pays you forever. But maybe it needs to just be five percent or ten percent, right? And so those are really important things to think through. And so for the young guys that are listening, they're starting businesses, like it is so worth paying an attorney $300 to sit down with or without your partner and get educated on like, what do I need to be thinking of when I start forming a partnership with this, with this guy, right? Maybe you've already started and you're like, man, something's off. Like go sit down with an attorney, and get educated on the things that you don't even know to think about because you don't know what you don't know, right? And so those are really important things that I would recommend any entrepreneur to do if they're bringing on partners. So that nobody can screw each other and you can't screw them because no one intends to screw each other. It just happens based on things that change or different beliefs. And you can always justify anything, right? And so I don't wanna I don't wanna have a friendship, a brother like Trevor, being like, dude, like we end our friendship over screwing each other, voting people out, screw it, you know what I mean? You know, I don't wanna be even in that position because if I really wanted to justify something, I could, right? We all can. We can always justify you know, well, you didn't do this or that or this, and I had to take this on, and you know, it's just it shouldn't be like that. If you really want to build something long term, you got to think long term, and that really comes down to to being committed to each other. It is a commitment to grow together, right? So
0: it's just like a marriage, yeah, man. So, <laughs> Sounds familiar, yeah. So I love that model of you know having an operator and you pay them a salary, or well, better yet, commission based on what they actually. Produce or salaries, right? And or salary, yeah. right? Yeah. And outside of that, then you draw profit for for the owners, right? Yeah. At what time? Say for the example, like the fifty million dollars, and you have three million dollars profit. So you have that money sitting there. How do you know when it's time to actually disperse that, rather than reinvest it or mm-hmm. put it towards other use of the company? That's my um, question. Based on the growth of the company, you know, there's uh, a
1: term called basis, right? And basis is like what I- what is it that this company has in assets or cash in the bank, after all expenses, even taxes, right? So that has to be discussed amongst partners. So my very first conversation was during that foreign currency company with Jeremy, and he asked me a question. He's like, and we're both new in business, right? He's like, man, you know, like we're kind of building this to be call center based. And I know you've worked in call centers, Kale. like, but we've seen these guys make a ton of money and then go out of business. What do you think that's from? And I'm like, dude, it's from lifestyle, man. Like they think the money in the bank accounts their bank account, their money, you know? And so what do they do? They live. And then they don't plan for the down times. And when people, when things are going really good, you start feeling invincible and you start feeling like, you know, like, Hey, nothing can take me down. I got, you know, whatever it is, 700 grand in the bank, right? Like things are great. If, if I hit hard times, like, you know, whatever. But then, but then what happens when they're like, Oh dude, I really love the, the boat life and they go out and they buy a $250,000 boat. Well, now they got $500,000 in there, but they got a payroll of $100,000 a month. Then they go out and buy a new house and then they go buy whatever it is, right? Maybe they get into aviation and buy a $500,000 airplane and and it's a great tax write-off, right? We can always justify things. It's a great tax write-off. And so me and Jeremy in our first business, it was only a hundred thousand bucks. We were paying ourselves only $500 a week, you know, because we're, brand, brand new startup. And that was really enough. That was barely enough to come in. And then I got fired. Right. And so I was like, dude, I went from making $150,000 a year as a sales guy to $500 a week when I got fired. And, but we made a commitment and the commitment was, we're not going to give ourselves a raise till there's a hundred thousand dollars in the bank account, even after taxes. Right. Well, the problem with that is we actually had a merchant account get frozen. Right. Right. And so money wasn't coming in. And they don't tell you. When you have a merchant account and you're considered high risk, which a lot of industries are, if you're an MLM, if you're um, anything sold over the phone, if you're you know, a solar company, like you're considered high risk. right? And if you're taking money on credit cards and not from vendors, like you have to process Visa MasterCard. They have regulations. And so what happens when these merchant processing companies see one chargeback? Or they see one complaint or anything. Well now they wanna analyze your entire company and they don't tell you. They just stop putting money in, they stop doing, you know, distributions to your bank account. And so what happens when a week goes by and you're like, dude, we haven't seen a deposit. What's going on? You start calling your merchant account I'm like, Oh yeah, you're limited, which means we froze your money. And everything that's coming in, it's frozen, too, until we finish our investigation. Okay, well, what do you need for the investigation? Oh, well, we need to see your contracts, we need to call, talk to some customers. We need to do these things. And then we're going to hold your money for six months to make sure no more chargebacks come through. And... If there aren't any, then we'll go ahead and disperse the money that we're holding now. And then they're like, well, now we want to put a reserve on there, which means we're going to take 10% off of every transaction even when we even when we do start dispersing. Right? And so we went through that. Like, we're like, holy crap, man. We barely were getting close to 100000 in the bank. And then money dried up. Well, you got to pay your people. So now you're paying people with no money coming in. It starts eating it up real quick. And so you don't think those things through. They just, you deal with them when they happen. You have to pivot. And, um, you know, and so we had to go set up a new merchant account because we couldn't wait six months to get paid. And then we had to set up another merchant account because we started thinking, well, maybe we need two through different processors yeah. so we can rotate exactly. and we can spread our risk out now just like they do to us, right? And so and so that's what we did, but now we went from almost 100000 in the bank account to fifty or 60000 We had to rebuild that up before we could give ourselves a raise. And so, dude, it was, it was brutal, but it was such a great lesson. So now we have calculations in place that if we add three, four more staff, We know we need more money in the bank for our basis to plan for those downtimes. And that's what we do now. Now we have, whatever, almost 40 employees at just easier accounting. We got another 25 to 30 at 60 credit repair. So we keep seven figures in the bank account, and then we start doing distributions. But there's still another calculation. There's a calculation of profit, right? And so it's like, hey, we need the company to always grow, even above and beyond this basis and the calculation we have for employees. So how do we protect ourselves from that? Well, if we're doing let's say, I don't know, a million a month, that's twelve million dollars a year. And if, you know, we're at a twenty percent profit margin, that's two hundred thousand dollars a month, okay. Well let's distribute let's distribute one hundred and fifty thousand. That way fifty thousand still going to that bottom line so that we can always continue to grow. Right. And so that's what we do, man. We have calculations in place like that to make sure even when we're not adding employees, we're still growing the profit. Well, last year, two years, we haven't been profitable because we've been pouring so much back into the company. We're not even taking distributions. Right. But we're still able to make money based on what we produce. Right. So I've got my affiliate partners that still I make money off of. Trevor's got his roles; He still makes money off of,
0: you know, and so that's how it works. Huh. Okay. Is that interesting for all the young hustlers that just heard that? So, easier accounting for the well, the past, I guess you said for two years. You didn't Almost two years. It.
1: Yeah. That wasn't profitable. Yeah. yeah. Well, this year, we, we started taking less distributions last year because we're like, hey, we got to start planning, right? We got to yeah. start planning because we, we, we oversold our capacity, right? And then we had problems, right? Which is a whole other lesson we could talk about, right? Like you get really good at sales. And then you don't have a great fulfillment manager, which Trevor was our fulfillment manager, and I was like our biz dev guy, right? Well, he started coming with me more on biz dev, so we weren't we weren't scaling properly on the amount of accountants that we were hiring. And hiring accountants is hard, dude. You got to have talent, and you're competing with all the big four firms for talent, right? And accountants aren't entrepreneurial, right? They're safe mindset, and so safe mindset people they don't want to come and and they. You can't entice them for like, like compensation of like what they produce or what they get done all year. Like they want their salary, they want their 401k, they want these things that are super safe. So how do you compete with a Price Waterhouse Cooper that can give them eighty grand out of the gate and then plus all these benefits? Well, now we have those things since we brought in our new CEO. We've got all those things, all those metrics in place. We have more access to talent, and so now we're scaling again, and so now we're we're wide open, dude. Like we like. We have a great staff of accountants. We have the capacity now to bring on always, at any given time, 200 new customers. If we start falling below that, say we get to 150 is our capacity, we know from the tr- tracking measures we have in place, because that's what Devin's great at. And so now we know, hey, we got to hire a couple more accountants, so we keep that capacity at 200 accountants. So we're always overpaying for talent, even if we can't pay them like or fill them up with customers like immediately like we don't want to be in that position. If we can fill someone up immediately, that means we're behind on capacity. Right. And so we're always planning ahead and uh, so that we can become scalable. And now we're there again. So now we, you know, we can turn on the floodgates and our marketing and new referral partners, and we know we can handle it. And we, we have these hiring processes in place
0: and, and uh, we can always keep up with growth now. Yeah. And it's all there. You've set it up, but it's taken time to figure. Yeah, a lot of time. And it's, You've lost out. We didn't lose out on money, but you didn't take that profit for a while because you knew what it was going to turn into. So it's the same with Binblast. Yeah, similar model. Like exactly. Yeah. I have talked about this on the podcast. Like we have, we just broke even. Like I think, what like last month, our first profitable month. Mm-hmm. But all that money we still put back to the business, right? So yeah. I haven't taken any profit. Yeah. My partners haven't, but we do it to where okay. If you go out and you do for the norm, and I sent you that picture. I sold, for those of you that don't know, I, I knocked on his partner, Jeremy what's his last name? Woodard, Jeremy Woodard, and we get talking at first. He's like, nah, man, I'm good. And then we kept talking, bro, and I was trying to sell him. That was like, he said, yeah, I'm, I have this like accounting company or whatever. I was like, wait, what's it called? Use your accounting. I was like, what? No way. <laughs> Dude, I know Trevor and Kelis super well. Yeah. So anyways, in ended up uh, buying garbage can cleaning. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. But through that, that's how we make money. We make money, like Kale was saying off of what we produce in the company. So each month I look, okay, this is how much I made in commissions. This is how many people I sold. This is how many people Jackson sold. Okay, and then we'll distribute uh, the, the money, right. right? Instead of doing profit, because we're not quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. But it's I didn't realize that. Like going into business, I was like, this is perfect, man. We're going to make 10 grand a month in profit and then distribute it. It's going to be beautiful. But that's just not how business is. No, it takes not. years, man. That's yeah. why most businesses don't, they fail in the first
1: five years. 50% fail, In the first uh, five years, but like 80% fail in the first two years, right? Hmm. So people that make it past two years, still 50% of those are going to fall off before five years. And it's because they don't know how to properly reinvest back into the company and and be scalable and put those metrics in place. And you got to have those metrics in place, man. Like if you're, you're a sales guy, you're great at it. So you can go train sales guys all day long. That's what I did. I trained sales guys and built this amazing team. They're freaking all growing together. And uh and I didn't know how to manage accountants, right? And even though I had accountants in there and I trusted them to manage, they didn't they didn't know how to take on that role yeah. at that next level, right? And when so- that does. Yeah. That's good at it. Yeah, you got you to do that, man. That takes, uh, that takes a lot of work too, man, because everybody has a hard time passing off like the reins to and and trusting somebody, right? And so, uh, you know, so that's,
0: there's been a lot of learning lessons in that too, but it's been working out great. Because, uh-huh. yeah. I, dude, I feel you, it's your baby and it's like, hi- Like, you know that you could do it so well because it's your gift. It's what you're Mm. passionate about. And then to hand it off to someone else, is like, oh, man, is this really going to work? Yeah, yeah. Sheesh, man. So I want you to imagine that you are a young hustler, right? You're sitting there. You're listening to yourself speak right now. Um, What advice would you give that young hustler? Hmm. What comes
1: to mind? Dude, I mean, first of all, you know, I've been through a divorce, right? That's a big setback. Um and and then I and then I've had this amazing wife now. Um, she kind of had her role, you know, and she had her own business and you know, she she does hair has a hair salon she has like 30 gals there, you know. But uh um dude, nothing will put you on fire more than if you're on if you have a partner that is like ride or die with you, like you build an amazing life with. And we've had to learn that. We've been together 12 years now, and uh, we've had to learn like, hey, we got to grow together. We got to be aligned in what our future looks like. And when you can become a team with the person that you are doing life with, that you're raising a family with, you that's when you become unstoppable. Business partners are, can be great. They can be horrible. Marriages can be great. They can be horrible. But dude, when you're doing life with somebody and you are on the same page about what type of legacy you're trying to build... Nothing will put you on fire more than that right there, right? And so, uh, not to spin it too much away from like metrics and business and scaling and all that stuff, but dude, like honestly, I've been through, uh, I've been through catastrophes in in relationships, and that's where you need to put your biggest investment. So for the young hustlers that are like out hustling, maybe they're not even married yet. Like, dude, whoever you do pick is going to be the biggest decision you make for business too, and you need to have somebody that's willing to sacrifice with you. You need to have somebody that's willing to grow with you. Like I don't leave my wife home when I go to business events, man. Like we fly down to Cabo and go to a couple's mastermind where we do goal setting for the year. You know, now we do it by ourselves, right? And we go to these events together and we hear from these speakers and then we connect with those speakers and we figure out how to do business with them and how to serve them and how they can serve us. And, and they don't understand it unless you involve them. Right. And then, that same thing for the young hustlers that are females like hey you got to pick a partner that's going to that's going to grow with you it's going to sacrifice with you as well and you got to go on this journey together my wife she doesn't go to hair shows without me right like awesome. you know like i go there and i learn a lot sometimes for my business sometimes for her business right now we're getting ready to launch her whole beauty line of hair shampoo conditioner hair oils you know purple shampoos and all these things that that are big deal in her industry she wants to create more quality products well, we're using a guy that I met at a mastermind group. And she met because she's been at those events with me. So it's like, dude, we're connected for her business and my business, because we go to these business communities and, and mentors and things together. We don't do it alone. You know, we have, we also have marriage counselors, right? Because we do, we got to work out. We got to work that relationship out. Like we would anything at the gym, uh, whatever it is, right? Like we, we do all these things for us, 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 but you've got to, you've got to, work out that muscle too, like your relationship, your brain, right? So, I mean, do we go to marriage counseling, whether we have things to work out or whether we just need to go in there and and plan more for the future and get on the same page about things? Dude, it's a
0: a coach. I mean, we have a coach in in baseball or whatever sport we're playing. Like, why don't we have coaches with nutrition, (laughs) with our marriage, with our fitness, all of that? People don't do that. No. And so so it's such a big step, and I think that's cool. That you involve each other in each other's businesses. Mm-hmm. Like you travel when you go to all these masterminds yeah. together. Yeah. Like I was talking to my parents about this the other day because they've been doing uh, 75 Hard together for quite a while now. So cool. Yeah. Now. And they listen to your podcast, love it. Nice. But I said, you know, I've noticed that as you guys have done 75 Hard for the past like two, three years... That your relationship has just gotten stronger and stronger. Yeah. And I think that's because you're both suffering together in a way and growing together. Yeah. And consuming the same content. You're telling each other, hey, I listen to this
1: podcast. My wife sends me podcasts all the time. Uh it could be like fixing trauma from your childhood. I send her podcasts. It could be like taking your business to the next level. And we consume each other's content, you know? And so it's 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 so important. Yeah. Right. Who you pick to do life with is gonna be better than It's going to be more important than any business partner. It's going to be better than any sales producer, some recruit. Like the best producer you're going to have is the two of you together doing life together. So, Mm.
0: and that's what I've seen as I've observed other relationships. The truly incredible ones are when they grow together and they're aligned. Yeah.
1: It's super simple, dude. If you take a pen on a piece of paper and you draw a graph, yeah, just a big half square. And you make a line for, let's say that you're the man and you're the producer of the family or you're the female and you're the producer of the family. And you're going to these events and you're going and you're diving into personal growth and you're pushing yourself in your fitness and you're pushing yourself in all these areas. And the stay-at-home person uh, is is not doing those things. They're They're busy, like managing the household and the kids and all these things, right? Well, you're going to grow at a different rate than the person that's at home just like busy with taking care of the household, and they're not consuming the same content, and they're not pushing themselves physically, and they're not pushing themselves in their business, and they're not goal-oriented because you know that's that's the partner's job, right? Well, they're going to grow at a different rate, right? And so it's pretty easy. The longer time goes, the further you get apart in this graph, right? What is, what's that space? What do you gonna do with that space? You're going to get divorced, man. You know what I mean? That's exactly what's going to happen. That's what we've seen over and over and over again. And then now you're going to be giving her half of everything, and she's going to be giving you half of everything, vice versa, right? It's like, now you're starting over, basically. And then you're going to go figure out life with another person. And that's just another thing, too, man. Like, I just lost my dad three weeks ago. And I just buried him this last Friday, you know? And um, it has been absolute hell dealing with his girlfriend, right? She has things. Family has things. She has different feelings. We, he had cancer. He battled colon cancer. She was all in on this idea of his treatment. And, you know, that's his partner. So he's going along with it. His kids are like, hey, we want to get dad different care. We want to take him the Huntsman Cancer uh, Institute. We want to do these things. They're against it. Uh, then he passes right after three years of this battle. And she's mad about things that we didn't say in the obituary or things we didn't uh, know that she was feeling. And it's like. It wouldn't have been like that if he was still married to my mom. It would have been different to just go work with mom, you know, and, and that that makes an impact on a family too, right? And so, dude, you got to think long term even with your marriage, right? Like, I, I'll never divorce my wife now, ever. Like, we're going to go through the toughest times. We're going to fight to keep anything together. You know, if I was hitting her... Or I was abusing her somehow, or some raging alcoholic, and she just had to leave because it was such an unhealthy environment. That's one thing. But if you're doing life together, you're gonna go through things together, and it's gonna take a fight to keep it together. But man, you don't even think about the long-term headache that's gonna be for your kids when you're you know, passing away and the, the girlfriend or the new wife, that's not your mom has all these assets that, you know, he wanted to go to you, but now she has control of them. And, you know, back to legal agreements, my dad didn't have things set up. He didn't have wills and trusts like I do. And, you know, even though I tried to help him get those things, he didn't have those things. But me and my wife, through this experience of losing my dad, we're like, we never want to do this to our kids, man. You know, and, and, you know, that's not a business lesson, but it is. Right. And, and like, you've got to keep things together there is nothing more special than a family staying together right and so i know you've been through it too you know it's hard it is it's not the same connection you know your mom's partner is not the same connection as your mom your dad's partner is not the same connection as your dad right and so um and it and it makes it really hard when it comes to end of life and we don't want to do that to our kids i've already done it to my two older boys right but luckily you know we we've been raising those boys together for a period of time cuz we got married so young we got divorced so young yep. so we have an opportunity to make it less horrific in those final days right we really want to leave them a legacy man that's important to us so so that then like pick a really good partner and fight through everything to stay together is my advice on what i would do different as a young hustler cuz i was a young hustler when i Got married and got divorced, and uh, you know you don't think you don't think those things through all the way to the end. I wish somebody would have told me on a podcast, or I wish one of my mentors would have told me, "Dude, this is going to be horrible, right?" Uh, but the environment that me and my ex had wasn't healthy; it had to end, right? So, but if it's if you can pick the right
0: partner and you can fight through anything, it's going to be so much sweeter in the end. That's it, where it starts, and that fires me not thinking that you would just grow together yeah so sick yeah love it so before we wrap up here how can my listeners serve and support you i mean any way they can support me i can support them back
1: right you say you buy my book it's you're gonna get nuggets Ultimate Ultimate networking machine yeah um pick it up man i get raving reviews from it all the time it's a simple read and it's all about how to build relationships business um, and in life. Right. And, uh, and it really is, it's got some really good nuggets in there on how to magnetize people to you, because do you want to chase business forever? Nah, you want to bring it to you. Right. And if you get to a certain level in business, uh, you know, it, it compounds. Right. And so I like to attract people to me. That's why I write books. You know, that's why I do podcasts. That's why I push to make sure it's a number one bestseller. That's why I push to make sure it's very valuable and it serves whoever reads it. Right. And so, you know, if someone wants to buy the book or something like that, or they want to go follow real business owners on the free net, on the free level. Right. It's not even paid. We still put fire content out on that. Um, and I mean, of course, if they need a county, you know, or they want to be a referral partner, you know, like referral partners make really good money. Our top referral partner, we paid over $2 million to last year. And we paid him almost $2 million the year before that. And we paid him almost $2 million the year before that. And he's been with us for years. And so he helps business owners. He sends all of them at a massive scale. He sends all of them to us. We convert them into clients. We pay him a commission. Simple as that. So that serves them as well. And so if anybody wants to serve me, like hop on a phone call, talk about being a referral partner, buy my book, join our real business owners community, and and then it's going to serve you in return as well.
0: Okay. So we'll link all of that in... The description. What's your Instagram? Well, mine is at Kale Greatman. Yeah.
1: Love them, man. yeah. Well, I got that from yeah, one of my mentors, yeah. man. Really? Yeah. We're sitting in Mexico with Ryan Stuman. Do you know him? You follow I'm any his stuff? Today, I've heard his stuff? Yeah. So he's built a massive community, dude. And, and, uh, and that's what we're trying to do. Right. So I mentored with him and I was in his masterminds and community is one of the most valuable marketing pieces you can ever do for your business. Right. Like you can build a community through service that's purpose driven. Like it's going to serve you in so many ways, as long as it serves them too. Just like we're talking about right now. So I really wanted to kind of learn, you know, from him. Uh, but we're sitting in Mexico, and and there was a couple instances where people were trying to like not intentionally screw him over, but like he was hosting his big event for the year, and uh, some guy was like trying to like throw an after party that was going to take away from what he was trying to do. So I'm like, hey man, and he asked me to sponsor it and be a part of it. I was like, hey, did you clear that with Ryan? And he was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, dude, clear it with Ryan, and then maybe I'll be a part of it. But I know he has after parties, and he spends a ton of money to throw an event. And dude, you take a big risk throwing events. Like, some of these speakers are $100,000, $200,000 to be headlining, right? Uh, Events like, you know, the AV equipment and getting camera guys there and stages and venues. You spend tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to throw an event, and... The experience you create with people in these after parties is one of the big reasons they decide to join your community, right? And so, if this guy's throwing an after party, it's competing with him. And so, I'm like, so anyway, I say, you need to clear with Ryan. And then I let Ryan know hey, this guy asked me to, you know, take care of or be a part of this after party. I told me need to clear it with you first. And, And uh, he was like, dude, people don't do that, man. Like, I'm so grateful you had the hindsight to do that. So he shut that down. He told the guy, dude, please do not do that, right? Otherwise, I can't let you be a part of my events moving forward. And then we're sitting in Mexico and he's, and he's like, dude, you need to change your Instagram handle to Kel Greatman. You're such a great man, dude. It's, you're way, you're way more than a good man. You're a great That's man. Brilliant. You know. And I was like, dude, I'm going see if it's available. Yeah. So I switched it up. You know, <laughs> love it. Okay. And now my daughter does it too. She's Tavia Greatman.
0: So That's so sick. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Okay. So now the listeners won't forget Cal <laughs> Greatman right there. so yeah. yeah. Okay. So last couple questions to wrap up. Let's do it. I want you to imagine this: that you could prescribe anything to the entire world. And they have to do it for 30 days. What do you tell them to do? What would you prescribe? Um, document, document. Right, because
1: right now, like when you're building a business, and you get fulfillment through progress, and you get, you know, you get fulfillment through your growth, but you reach a phase in life where you get your fulfillment switches to handing off that wisdom to other people through training other people, right? Um, Through passing the baton of like making an impact in the world. And so I didn't document for a long time. I didn't journal the things that I was learning, the things we talked about today. I'm just out there hustling and grinding. It's self-serving. And uh, you get to a point where you want to serve outward and you want to pass those lessons on, whether it's your kids, whether it's, you know, you want to write a book, whether it's you want to mentor people, whether you want to build a community to pour into other business owners. The lessons stick when you journal, when you document, and you can always go back and relearn those lessons from maybe some mistakes you journaled or some things that worked in your business or in your life, right? And so I would I would prescribe people like to journal for the next 30 days and see how much your mind starts to actually hardwire those lessons and those thoughts and those beliefs into you so that you can pass them on one day. There's a book called The Wealthy Gardener, and it talks all about that, man. It talks all about uh, how that is in our second half of life. There's another one called Falling Upward by Richard Rohr, and, dude, our fulfillment and our purpose switches in that second half of life to being, like, giving and passing those things on, and it can still be abundant. You can still get paid from it. You can still, you know, accumulate wealth and all those things, but it becomes less about accumulation and more about changing society changing culture by you know passing on the baton of people and and instilling values in the next generation
0: Hmm. it reminds me of the whole idea of process versus outcome right yeah i was talking about it today it's like we get so focused on the outcome and the end goal that we forget what we're doing day to day to actually get there yeah we're so fixated on that that it's distracting in a way and a lot of times it's frustrating yeah because you feel like we're not doing enough you know, I feel that way all the time.
1: Yeah, well, we spend a lot of time living in the future when we're entrepreneurs, right? And so if you're not able to be present and have a strong level of faith of the plan, of the plan that you put in place to help you get what you want in life, um, and you're you're more focused on getting there versus being where you are here, you trap yourself. You know, you think about it as like a prison you're trying to escape. Like, I'm trying to escape where I'm at right now so that I can get there. And so you live in the future. And dude, that's horrible because if you can live in the present and you can have faith and you can truly enjoy what you're doing because you're present, not only are you going to be more connected with the people around you, but you're going to enjoy what you're doing. When you enjoy what you're doing, everything else is going to show up. And it's so cliche to say, like, pick something you love doing and you'll never work a day in your life. There's going to be parts you don't enjoy. But, dude, if you're very purpose-driven in what you're doing and you're present with it and you have a strong amount of faith, you're not going to create that prison you're trying to escape to get there. And you never get there, dude. You never get there because when you hit that level, then you're there again, then you're there again, then you're, you, you know, you're always looking for that next level. And so it's unhealthy, and I did that for a lot of years. And so when you are truly grateful for what you have and and you're just pleased with what you have, not to the point where you stop, but you truly are just present, and you have joy, and you you know, like I, no matter what, man, I have enough, right? Because I'm capable, and I know what I've done. Well, you open yourself up for more. But when you're spending so much time in the in the future, trying to get there, you actually close off so much. Uh, and, and it is, it's that like it's like that that faith molecule, right? That you're that you're imprisoning, and and you're not opening yourself up for more abundance, right? We all want more abundance, and so you got to stop living there, and you got to start living here. And just trust that
0: the plan you put in place is going to work out. It's an, it's a common pattern or a thought process to fall into, yep. I feel like, especially as entrepreneurs. Yep. If you just keep going, if you focus on who you're becoming, it's like the, the whole book, The Gap and the Gain. It's like a lot of times in life we focus so much on, okay, there's this huge gap of who I am of and who I need to be or the goals that I need to hit. Yep. When in reality, we should look back and focus on the gain of who we're actually becoming. Yeah. That ultimately is where I find the most joy. And I think that's why we're here on this earth. Like from God is to feel that joy as we grow. If we're we're stagnant, I feel like that's where a lot of those issues come from. Well, and that's just another thing that attracts people to
1: you, man. Like you you put a different energy out, dude, when you're not trying to force, right? And and you're just willing to do whatever it takes to get to that next level. Uh, versus like, and in, in the gap in the game, he talks about ideals versus uh, when you said outcome, it made me think about it. But
0: process versus outcome, or ideals versus uh, I forgot. Yeah, what
1: is it? I read that book too. Uh-huh. It's good, dude. It's really good. Yeah. and and but it's true, man. These athletes, these people that he's interviewing, like, you know, you get up and you strike out up at the plate, and you can have the the mindset of like, okay, well, I'm just one one step closer instead of like, Paul, what's wrong with me? Yeah, right? With you, you know, like, dude, you, you, you have a different energy about you and, and better results are going to show up, you know, when, when you know, oh, man, I'm that much closer to being great. Yeah. Uh, that's just part of the process. Yeah, it is. You know, the outcomes, the outcomes will be attained, you know, when you, when you just have that level of faith in yourself. Uh-huh. Love it, dude. Yeah. Love it. What is it that says in that book actually, dude, it says faith, has already, yeah, man, I'm not even gonna try. I'm gonna try, dude, but there was a there was a really good takeaway from that book when I read it. It was it was something along the lines of like, faith has already worked
0: itself out. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, we'll try. What? I'll have to go look it up. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that book, it changed my whole perspective because that, I, I don't remember if it was that book or a different story I heard, but there was this golfer, I made a video about it on my social media, but this golfer, he was just struggling because he was so focused on the scores after every round on the PGA Tour. He's like, man, I just suck. I'm not doing good. Yeah. And so he hired a mental a mental coach, and he was like, you know what? Just focus on one shot at a time. Like, Don't even think about the future shot or the layup shot. Focus on your drive and then your chip and then your putt. Literally just be all in yeah. in that very moment. Yeah. And so that's what he did. I think he was playing the Masters or some tournament. And he just focused, okay, here's my here's my drive. It's three hundred yards. Perfect. Okay, now here's my next drive. Okay, perfect. So he just one shot at a time. But what happened was he got to the very last hole and he was putting. And little did he know this was like a multi-million dollar putt to win the tournament. Guy had no idea. He didn't even pay attention to the score. One of the crowd, he was in the slow state and was just so dialed. So he makes the putt and he's standing there and he looks up and his wife is sprinting straight at him and grabs him and hugs him and is kissing (laughs) him and he's like wait did I win? Did I win? Yeah. And I just think it's so interesting that he had no idea that he even won. Yeah. The mass He was so dialed on the process that the outcome handled itself. Mm -hmm. Like he just was I think it's so cool that he had that laser focus yep. and then the outcome took care of itself. Yeah. That's all it comes down to. It's so true. Is it in that book? It might have been. It might have been. Yeah. I've, I've there's
1: a somewhere. lot of stories in that book, right? You know, the one that stood out to me was the 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 rowing team, the English rowing team. They had won yeah, the Olympics in however many, how 50 years, whatever. And uh, they all just committed on like, well, let's all just commit. If it won't make the boat go faster, we don't do it which means the whole team unified. And they were like, will it make the boat go faster? Which meant they had to miss maybe a family reunion, you know, or something like that. Right. But when you're so focused on it, you're present. You're not, you're not thinking about the ideals, right? Just like the golf putt, right? It's like, you're so focused. You didn't even know you won because you're so focused and focus is a superpower. And it's important. It's impossible when you're really focused on
0: something to be anywhere else. Right. And so results happen. And that focus is rare nowadays. I feel like, I feel like if you're if you have the skill to focus intently on something, you're yeah. gonna get paid a lot more because it's rare. With digital distractions, with everything going on, I mean, I feel like it's common for most of us to task switch and to go just back and forth between a bunch of trivial crap, like checking email and different things, text yeah. messages, to where you don't actually do the deep work. Yeah, that's gonna get you paid by being yeah. totally focused. Distractions,
1: right? Yeah. Distractions, man. Our brains are actually wired to get us what they want. When we make an imprint in our mind that's a meaningful goal, like our mind is trying to steer us there, subconsciously, right? It's trying to get us there. And we create all these distra- like distractions, which become obstacles. And they actually talk about it in another book I read called Psycho-Cybernetics, where your brain is the same, they designed the torpedo after the brain, right? Which means it's, it's meant to get to the target, right? But the torpedo will go around targets, but that means it takes longer to hit the target. And so your conscious mind, when you have these distractions, are those obstacles that you're having to steer around. And like, I remember when I worked in sales and these guys walk in and they're like, man, everybody in there was like, these guys were like gods, dude. They're like, oh, that's, you know, that's uh Russ Whitney, or he was a real estate guy. And he was the guy that went out oh, there creating leads, made a bunch of money and everybody loved, wanted to be these guys. Right. And I remember thinking, man, I want to be a speaker one day. And that was like a meaningful goal that I set, but I didn't do anything about it. 15 years later, I'm starting to get asked to speak at these events, right? And I'm like, I remembered that. I was like, man, I remember when those guys, came, Crowther, uh, Russ Whitney came into our office, and everyone treated them like they were a big deal. I want to be a big deal, right? So I made this meaningful goal, and my brain was back there trying to steer me to it the whole time, man. You know, but if you put a plan in place and you trust it, it will show up so much faster. Yes. That didn't have to take 15 years. That could have been in one year, two years, right? I could have been a magnificent speaker way sooner, but I didn't have a plan in place that I was executing focused like, right? And so when I built my house, this dream home, what do you do? You put a blueprint in place. The house came to life in one year. It's the same thing, right? It's like we had a focused plan. The house showed up. I made a meaningful goal that I didn't put a plan in place, it took 15 years to show up. Then I could start executing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so our brains are always trying to move us towards our goals. Sometimes we just got to get out of the way. And
0: it takes what we just talked about it takes a focus, blueprint to get there, a vision. Dude, that right there is the psychology of success, in my opinion, dude. I know. I always talk about, okay, first, this is the whole theme of the podcast. I talk about it every episode. Visualize, optimize, actualize, visualize the type of person you want to be. The yep. Goals you want to hit, yeah. And you're gonna optimize yourself Do the little things every single day. Those small habits, the the process, yeah. And then you're gonna actualize your infinite potential and those goals that you set for yourself. It's that same model, yeah. That I, I've seen the common denominators. So you've been this is probably my sixty seventh, sixty eighth episode, and that's the common denominator I've seen in the people I've interviewed yep. as they've created success in their life. They follow that model. Yeah, it's so simple. Yeah, it is so
1: simple. It's a lot. <laughs> Love what you're doing, dude. I, I mean, I think I told you clear back when you were on our podcast. I was like, dude, you have a massive opportunity to like really influence these young hustlers, dude. Keep putting yourself out there because I was super impressed with you. Still am. Obviously, you've made leaps and bounds already since you've been home from your mission. And uh, dude, I just I love that you asked me to come be on the show. I'm sure you have a massive amount of like people aspiring to do what you're doing. They want to build great life. They want to be entrepreneurs. And so- man, like, it's just cool to see, like, cause I saw that in you. I was like, man, he's gonna, he's gonna inspire a lot of young people, which is huge for the world that we live in, right? Like that is, that is legacy stuff that you're doing. Keep doing it, man. Cause yeah. there's always going to be people we need to reach down and pull up and you're already doing it. You're doing that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you're not only gonna be massively successful, you're gonna be fulfilled. And so I really appreciate you having me on your show today.
0: Appreciate it. And it's it's, Looking back on that experience, literally, if you guys go listen to that interview, I think it was episode, it might've been 40, but you'll see it. It's in my Instagram. But if you listen to what Kel tells me, Kel and Trevor, they said, hey, you need to pivot a little bit and change it to where instead of being like super broad, like success, make it towards more about these young hustlers. Yeah, And that's exactly what I've done since I've been home for my mission. Yeah, And it is just 10X to where we've created the mastermind, the Winner Circle mastermind. Uh, and all these different things to where and we're able to inspire a lot more people so yeah dude it's been awesome yeah i appreciate it anything i can do for you moving
1: forward just let me know reach out anytime
0: <laughs>